0: Have a seat again. Thanks. Thanks, Zach and Beth. And I must say, Bethany came home yesterday from her part-time job looking completely unwell. Was completely unwell and uh, could easily have just pulled out on all commitments for the next several days. She was, and she's here worshiping, serving. Great attitude, well done. Great overcoming spirit there. Um, now, what's that? Really? Oh, okay. She got volunteer of the year, so there, she's still running along with that um, attitude. Awesome. Now, would you like to turn your Bible to First Thessalonians chapter 5? First Thessalonians chapter 5. Did you notice my lisp? Some people don't notice it. Maybe you've all been aware for many years, but I have a very slight, humble, humiliating, I mean humble. Praise God, which is nothing because I know of a guy who is a terrible stutterer uh, and he would... uh, miraculously, divinely, lose his stutter completely when he ministered publicly. And yet in conversation, could, you know, hardly uh, puts the words fluently together. So God is good. Now, verses 1 to 10 of First Thessalonians, we will not read, but I'll just give you a bit of background. It talks about the return of Jesus, as does the chapter before that, and about the need for us to be ready at any time, uh, because no one knows exactly when he's coming back, but also says that if you believe in Jesus, you've got something to look forward to. And in fact, if we start at verse 11, we see this statement. Just read verse 11 for a moment. So encourage each other, so meaning on the basis of what I've been talking about, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So two things, encouraging people is good. And building each other up, let's be those sort of people, yeah? Not tearing people down, be an encourager. But on the basis of the fact that Jesus is coming back, we should be encouraged. In other words, you don't need to be afraid of whatever's going on in the world at any given time. And let's face it, there's always something going on in the world at any given time that could cause people to be fearful. Whether it's some crazy guy with his finger hovering over a red button or, you know... The temperature's going up and down or whatever people are worried about We have no need to fear We can be confident that God has got it all under control And that we are safe in him, safe in our salvation Yeah And um, and now uh, what I want to look at I'm going to read verse 12 right to the end of the chapter So it says Dear brothers and sisters Honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work Thank you Byron and everyone uh, Because you did that this morning um, They work hard among you Oh, do they ever and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably peacefully, I should say, with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays you back, sorry, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong To Christ Jesus, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may God, the God of peace, make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with Christian love. I command you in the name of our Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And that's the end of the letter that he wrote. Notice from verse 11 through to verse 28, that's 17 verses, there are none less than 23 different things that we are told to do. We're not going to look at all of them today. But it's a really good checklist to go through as I did recently when I was reading this to really see how obedient am I am to God. Because the Bible isn't just full of promises. It is full of promises, but it's not just full of promises. Full of all kinds of information, history, stories, but also full of commandments. Also full of principles that we are clearly given to follow. And uh, sometimes people don't want to read those ones. They just want to read the promises. But it's worth going through and thinking, wow, am I doing that? Because there's quite a few commandments right there. As I said, 23 if you count them up. But I want to look at just three that are put together in two verses. In verses 16 to verse 18, it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you if you belong to Christ Jesus. Or the King James, New King James says it this way, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Notice what's common for all those three. It's that we're told to do them continually. Each one is preceded by a phrase or an an adverb that tells us this, always, never stop or without ceasing and in everything or in all circumstances. So these are obviously important and not something that we can afford to do just occasionally but all the time, something that we should take On As part of our regular routine, our lifestyle To be things that we get in the habit of doing That come naturally, continually, easily for us To be joyful, to be prayerful and to be thankful And um, you know I I found God really leading me to this recently And I felt him really uh, wanting me to share this And not just as a pattern for our life But as you'll see a pattern, a good pattern you can follow for prayer, uh, all of them, of course, relate to this sense of celebration. We're celebrating not just today; in fact, this whole month we got Christmas. We're celebrating New Year's Eve also falls on a Sunday, so we'll be you know celebrating uh, that day. And uh, all of these practices or qualities lifts your spirit. If you're joyful, you're prayerful, you're thankful. They're positive qualities that'll influence. Me, you, yourselves, positively, but also others. And so I want to look a little closer at them. Um, First one, be joyful or to rejoice. You know the Greek word there, uh, daro, is used over 70 times in the New Testament. It's uh, a constant common theme that God wants us to get a hold of. It's used, you know, when the wise men... Are coming the Magi and they see the star that led them to Jesus it says they rejoiced and that's the same word they use there it's used when Jesus tells the story of the lost son the prodigal son and he comes back to the father and it says the father rejoiced when he saw his son that's the same word when the Ethiopian official in the book of Acts becomes a Christian thanks to the witness of Philip um, it says he went on his way Rejoicing, same word And of course he rejoiced all the way home To Africa Or Ethiopia, the northern part of Africa And brought the gospel to to Africa Um, It's also used in the book of Philippians Where Paul writes quite a few times To say, come on, rejoice In fact, uh, ten times throughout that book This word is used That's why Philippians is known as a, a book of joy And so here we're told to rejoice or to be joyful, and notice it's a verb. It's it's a doing word. It's not it's not just an adjective. It's not just a feeling that may come upon us or happens to us occasionally. It's something that we can decide upon, something that we do, something that we should do. Because let's face it, we all want to be happy. Everyone enjoys being happy, right? Um, we all like the concept of. Of joy, but many people find it elusive because they don't really know how to find it and ha- and hold on to it. Uh, they're just finding the feelings coming and watching them go. The happy feelings come, oh wow, and then they go. And I don't know how to maintain some sort of content, happy equilibrium. I'm just up and down a roller coaster ride of emotions throughout life, and that's not God's will. He wants us to have a bit more of an even keel. Of course, there are seasons and we are allowed to have a full range of emotions and it's okay to feel sad. Even sometimes tragedies occur and we're really struggling and that's normal. But joy is a deeper quality and God, you know, tells us here we can experience it continually. Uh, we know that because God never tells you to do something you can't do. You realise that? So when he says be joyful, he doesn't mean, oh, look, a few of you, I know you're just, you know, the happy clappies, all right, you're the, you know, or those sort of people that are wired that way, you be joyful. The rest of you, I know it's tough, just life sucks, whatever. No, it doesn't say that. It's just telling us we we are to be joyful. Uh, So you can make a stand. You can decide to. You can live with it, hold on to it, feel it, express it, and minister it to others which is a nice thing because here's the key. It comes not from our circumstances, but from God himself. Happiness, of course, comes and goes because things happen and we feel happy because things happen. But joy is deeper and it comes from God and he's always got it and he's always with me so I can always have it. And God doesn't change and neither does the fruit of the spirit. And so Joy is included in that. Uh, and so how, how do we do that? How can you always be rejoicing? I just want to suggest two things. First of all, focusing on God on, and not on our circumstances. Because, you know, in Philippians 4, Paul says, um, in chapter 4, verse 4, I think it is, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, that often sung by little kids. And uh, Notice it says rejoice in the Lord. There's the key. He doesn't say rejoice because currently you've got a lot to rejoice on, in, and be excited about, and that may be true. But of course, circumstances change, and then sometimes you look around. I got nothing to rejoice about. It seems like, you know, all hell's breaking loose in my life. And but I can rejoice in the Lord, regardless of what else is going on, and uh, and I believe that's something we can lean into and and get a hold of. And uh, and of course, if we are You know, walking with God, leaning into God, reading his word, listening to him. We're feeding on that relationship rather than just focusing and feeding on the stuff of life that's going on around us. And that leads to another thing. I'd say focusing on God helps us to be joyful and also our confession. Because if we're reading the word of God, then we've got the opportunity to speak out the word of God or not. And so it's very easy because our words are powerful to just get caught up with saying stuff that isn't helpful, that isn't going to lift my spirit, but it's going to actually depress and deflate my spirit. And, you know, you can't affect all the words that are going on in the world around you. You can't stop other people speaking stuff. You can step away from a little bit. But the words that we most hear are the words that we speak ourselves. And you can control that. You have a big say over what you say. And so rather than just saying, oh, I'm struggling, I'm really doing this tough, I'm feeling this, I'm life is so hard, we may be having some tough times, life may be hard, but at the same time, there's another truth that God brings from his word that we can proclaim, that we can say, ah, instead of just talking about the problem, I can talk about God and his solution. God is good. God is with me. It's going to work out. All things work together for good. And I'm proclaiming Scripture, or speaking out of, you know, that relationship that I have with God, and um, and His Word is is reliable. Yeah, it's more truthful than than anything else than you read on Facebook or Google this and Wikipedia that, or read the sitting morning Herald if you're old enough to still read a newspaper. Uh, you know, the most reliable source of truth is God's word. So it's not just making up positive stuff. It's not just a positive mental attitude. We have God's word that we can stand on and proclaim and that'll help us rejoice. Notice the second one says to be prayerful or to pray without ceasing. And Ruth talked about prayer last week. I talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, the same kind of issue, the same kind of uh, concept. Uh, And obviously we know praying praying continually doesn't mean, you know, locking yourself in a prayer room and never coming out, uh, but just walking with a constant connection with God and uh, building that relationship, living in his presence, living from his presence. I I read this book recently. uh, Timothy Keller's written this great book on prayer. If you want some Christmas reading, it's not a light easy novel it's a deep great book it's called prayer experiencing awe and intimacy with God and he's quite the theologian Uh, but he just talks about how rich and powerful prayer is about it being a great privilege but also great responsibility and sometimes it's really hard work but there's great results and rewards that we often don't touch on and experience because maybe we're just a little averse to the work of prayer, the discipline that it might require. Uh, He says this, Prayer is the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simple, sorry, prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. It's a kind of pretty cool thing, this prayer, you know, it sort of opens up a whole world that's very rich, takes us beyond, you know, the natural world sometimes really is a bit tough, but there's always a supernatural world just one prayer away that influences that natural world. Whether it's praying for sickness or circumstances to shift, to bring peace into a situation where there's a lot of emotional turmoil and the circumstances may not change, but something in your spirit changes just because you ah, oh, now I'm walking with God. Now I've got God's perspective on it. I heard someone write or, dis- or describe recently that prayer is like waking up out of a nightmare into reality. That sometimes you can have a bad dream and it, it's all terrible stuff going on, and then you wake up and you go, Oh, it's all right. The baddies aren't out to get me. I can actually run. You know, in those prayer, you know, those dreams, I've had one for a while, but you know, have you ever had those dreams where you're trying to run away and you can't run? You can't. Psychologists probably say, You've got serious issues. This means something. <laughs> well, as I said, I haven't Come on, it's a common theme. You must be. Anyway, I'm sure. I've read my my psychiatrist said it's common. Um, but you know there's you can't scro- oh you can't scream. Flip, we know Ruth tried to scream once in a dream. Oh, nearly brought the police to the house It was the most blood curdling scream you've ever heard and the whole all the lights went on in the neighborhood. It was just this terrible sound. It sounded like from the pit of hell. She's, mm-hmm. She's and I wake up. I'm a light sleeper. I wake up. And and I'm hearing the beginning of this attempt to scream, and then wondering where the sound. I didn't think it was her. I just thought there's a demon in the room. I'm like, ah, what? Who? I'm like, ah, it's my wife. Where's she? Said, ah, and she's trying to, you know, scream in the dream and wake herself up or get out of the bad situation. You know. So whether it's trying to, anyway. You know, life sometimes can be like that. (laughs) ah, You're screaming, you're trying to run from the bad guy and you think, oh, this is the only reality. No, there's a supernatural spiritual reality and when you pray, it's like you wake up out of the nightmare and suddenly you're in a reality that, oh, everything's okay. And you look back at that dream and go, okay, well, what am I fussing about? It's not going to happen or I'm fearful of something that isn't really that important. And and so you bring a, a God perspective. Hello? Does that make sense? And so here, one more quote from Timothy Keller. Prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. And so there's just some clever reflections on, on how rich and deep prayer is. So let's let's be people that give ourselves to prayer eh? continually. And then thirdly, I want you to notice this phrase, to be thankful, or in all circumstances, give thanks. Again, it's something we do. It says to be thankful. It's your decision. It's up to you. Ah, there's so much all of us can be thankful for, and yet it's just a matter of focusing on the things that you have, not worrying about what you don't have, things that are good, not just thinking about the things that aren't so good. And and let me tell you, I've observed over the years that many people are not very thankful, they're not very happy because they go together, and they assume that the happy ones, the thankful ones, have so much more to be thankful in their life. And they find themselves saying, oh, well, you know, I've got it tough. But, of course, if if I was like them, then I'd be happy. Oh, they've got it made. Oh, they, look what they've got. They've got it. And you know what? When you know about the other people, as often this occurs, if you make this observation, you realise, hang on, the happy, thankful ones, I know their life, they haven't got it any better than you. They've just got it different. And you're just focusing on what they've got going on in their life rather than appreciating what you've got going on. And it's it's just the attitude, attitude of gratitude, as they say. Just to be a thankful person is something we can switch into and lean into and develop. And uh, and the, the the ones that have really practiced and and blessed as a result of this, they're so thankful. They're not just, you know, what do they say? They're not just oh my glass is half full. Their glass may be empty, but they've still got a glass. They're just like, well, I've got a glass. I'm happy about that. God will fill it up again if the circumstances aren't currently filling my glass. You know, And so uh, there is that opportunity for us. Again, God's calling us to be thankful. And um, I'll just read another quote to you. There's a woman in America called Melody Beattie. She's an author. She coined the phrase codependent because she learned through her own experience what relationships shouldn't be like She um, she was abandoned by her father as a toddler She was abducted at the age of four She was an alcoholic by the age of 13 She was a drug addict by 18 uh, But she turned her life around And she's written a lot of these self-help books And she appreciates the uh, the quality of being thankful And writes about it And she said this Gratitude makes sense of our past brings peace for today and creates a vision for tomorrow. I thought, gee, that's smart because that, that affects your whole life, your memories, your current situation and appreciation of it and your thoughts for the future, which is a lot of where we live. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today and creates a vision for tomorrow. Isn't that good? And that's available for us all to develop. So if you live with these three qualities, these continually ticking away in your mind, your heart, as a habit, a practice, then you're going to be well on the way to fulfilling God's will in your life. And, and because of that, because there's something we're called, because we're called to practice them continually, it relates to our prayer, which I said I'd share. I found myself thinking this is a great pattern for prayer. If you look at this, if you devote three minutes each morning to praise and rejoicing, then three minutes to prayer, and then three minutes to thankfulness. In under ten minutes, you will set your day up really well to be in line with God's will. Because just just think about what it looks like. You start with rejoicing. God, I worship you. I'm I'm I, Lord. This is the day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallowed be your name. God, may your name be greatly honoured. I'm focusing on Him, not just on me, not just on my problems. I'm worshiping him. I'm 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 tasting and seeing how good God is. I'm I'm reminding myself how wonderful he is. I'm getting my life in sync with God, just rejoicing in God. Not anything specific. I'm not I'm not thanking God or asking God. I'm praise and worship is just focus on God. Not his hand on what he gives, just on who he is, just his face for for you know, engaging and beholding and worshiping him. And then after a few minutes, you slip into prayer. And of course, prayer is rich and wide and deep and involves all kinds of things. But let's face it, it does involve asking, petitioning. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given. But notice that James says, hey, you don't ask. He said, you ask, but you don't get because you ask amiss. You you ask wrongly. So how does that work? How do we know if we ask for something, if it's the right thing that God wants us to ask for and therefore we'll answer? Well, of course, if you've been rejoicing, you're lining your heart up right. You can trust the instincts that then you're going to pray on. And more so, you're going to couple this with reading the word. And then you've got the word of God, the will of God, and you can pray through that. Uh, and And so just a few minutes when you start praying, especially if you've been rejoicing in God, I'm not just going to pray, watch this, oh, God, bless me. I'm going to pray, oh, God, use me. Oh, God, anoint me. Oh, God empower me so I can serve you. So I'm praying for something a little bigger, a little more important than just, oh, God bless me. And of course I can pray that too, and he will. So that's all good. And then, of course, we're thankful. And then you can just slip into spending a few minutes thanking God. And you can thank God for what he's done, what he's doing in your life right now. You can even thank God for the difficult stuff that's happening right now because he's hands on it. And then you can look into the future and thank him for what he's going to do. And that's totally in line with Scripture because, you know, in Philippians, it says, um, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring your request to God. And so we request things for God, but we do it with thanksgiving. So we ask, but we thank Him that He's hearing our prayer, that He's answering our prayers. And so there's just a pattern you can follow. As I said, under 10 minutes, it's going to set your life up well. I hope that helps. And so... um, so let's be people who are rejoicing, praying, and giving. Giving thanks, I should say. Giving th- being thankful continually. Amen? Praise the Lord. And we have so much to rejoice in God about and to be thankful for and and to pray for. To, at this season, let's pray for let's be praying for people to know the Lord at Christmas. Yeah? Come on, let's finish in a word of prayer.